everyone. I'm Kirsten Moorfield. Welcome to People Are Complicated, a podcast produced by Cloverleaf, where we dive into all the ways that people are complicated at work and how you can turn those moments of tension into deep relationships and work that makes you proud. Scott Dust, welcome back to People Are Complicated. Thank you. It's been a year since you were on the show. And people are still complicated. And people, it turns out, we we might have figured out we're even more complicated than we thought a year ago. Yes. All right. So you were on our inaugural first two episodes of People Are Complicated, so it's very special to have you back. And today we are talking about the last three chapters of our Boss to Coach playbook um, that we've been doing a little mini series on here. And so you actually had a hand to play in writing all of this content. So of course, I'm super stoked to have you on the show for so many reasons today. Stoked to be here. Um, And for listeners, Dr. Scott Dust is our chief research officer here at Cloverleaf. He's a tenured professor, PhD, super smart guy in IO psychology, behavioral psychology, organizational psychology. So very, very fitting to all of your expertise. We're going to start off with talking about one of the biggest topics today sure. in work and how complicated people are and in managing people and leading them, which is virtual teams. It is a big topic right now. It's a big yes. topic. It is a big one. And you know, virtual teams has always been a thing. Mm-hmm. And there's been research on virtual teams for decades, mm-hmm. but it was typically one-offs mm-hmm. or experiments. Let's try this and see how it goes. Now it's ever-present, and it's also becoming more more granular in that there's so many variations of mm-hmm. what a virtual team can actually look like, Yep. where on the extremes, it's 100% virtual, mm-hmm. and then on the other end of the extreme, it's 100% face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times people have kind of met in the middle somewhere. And even a couple of years post-COVID, not 100% of companies are feeling confident that they've landed in the correct middle ground. Yep. And it's still evolving. I feel like I'm hearing more conversations about hybrid right now than I yeah. heard last year when we thought we were going back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like It just seems like people are settling into hybrid is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I have spoken. <laughs> And uh, that was a, what's the show called? Uh Mandalorian. It's the Mandalorian. Uh, That was a nice little nerdy Star Wars (laughs) thing there. Okay, anyways, Baby Yoda. So uh, hybrid is the way, and how the heck do you do it well? So help us out, Scott. Tell us about the research. What what are people finding? Yeah, yeah. The research has illustrated a few very consistent themes, and one way to frame it is – when looking at 100% virtual versus 100% face-to-face, mm-hmm. you can see some pretty stark contrasts in mm-hmm. some of these themes. But then there's the second conversation of, well, what does that look like when it's hybrid? Mm-hmm. So the easier part first. Great. So when, it, when looking at face-to-face versus virtual, it is harder to establish trust and rapport initially when mm-hmm. you're virtual as mm-hmm. opposed to face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is because you don't have those easy, simple conversations that are a little more personable, impromptu, Mm -hmm. and you get to have a little bit more of that personal flair to the conversation. That personal familiarity helps with professional familiarity. There's a crossover or a carryover effect. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that as easily when you're 100% 
virtual. You mean having personal relationships is research-backed, proven to make you more productive as a team? Yes, it is. What a shocking finding. What a shocking finding. Yeah. (laughs) Also, sometimes it's funny to me that we have to research these things that like you kind of know, but you don't know and you you... question how to manage well. And yeah, so great. It's true. Yeah. It is. It seems intuitive and and the research backs up the fact that it is intuitive. And then the next step is, okay, well, what do we... What do we do about it? Yeah, and so it is possible to replicate some of those interactions that are more personal through virtual means. And you're seeing all sorts of experiments, and you're seeing all sorts of software, and even startups that are trying to figure out how to chip away mm-hmm. at what's the best way to make sure that we still build personal familiarity as well as professional familiarity in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And I do think those initiatives are helpful. It all is in the execution, though, right? right you can't right. just simply sign off, oh, we're just going to institute this tool, and then everything's going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. It's about the execution and the integration, Yep. and that's a big part of it. Yep. The second part of this difference between face-to-face versus virtual that I think is really important is what is called knowledge transfer. Oh, gosh. And when you're in an organization, one of the best things about having all these diverse personalities and diverse perspectives and expertise yep. is that you get a lot of cognitive diversity and and you learn from other people. Yep. Especially when you're developing something that should be novel and creative and innovative. And who doesn't you, need to be innovative today? I know, right? I mean, yeah. I, that should be pretty much a given, right? Yeah. Nobody's just producing widgets. You're innovating on what's the next Every, widget. Everyone, yeah. And so it's harder to have that knowledge transfer when you have people that are are virtual yep because you don't have as many again spontaneous run-ins you don't have as many opportunities to learn about what somebody else is doing and what's going on Mm -hmm. but again you can be purposeful in in replicating those Mm -hmm. types of things in a virtual environment Mm -hmm. so you know those are on the extremes Mm -hmm. with the hybrid environment it's a matter of recognizing that now you're kind of in the middle ground on that trust and rapport building as well as on that knowledge transfer and you have to be sophisticated and being purposeful on creating it within this hybrid environment, right? So if you're not careful, the hybrid environment can end up being relatively bimodal, where you have just the face-to-face and just the virtual, and you're not actually getting a little bit of in-between. You have two very different structures and two very different cultures. Like you have some people who are just virtual and some people who are just face-to-face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are people calling that hybrid? So (laughs) technically, yes. Oh, wow. But there's the thing... It's not really... So think of it this way. There's just so many different variations of hybrid. Mm -hmm. And that's one of them. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most tricky one Mm -hmm. because it's really more of a bimodal hybrid approach. Yeah. Where there is some hybrid where everybody in the organization is in two to three days a week Mm -hmm. face-to-face and then two to three days a week they're virtual. Those Mm -hmm. are two very different types of hybrid work environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting because Cloverleaf, we have about 50 employees and even... Just with that size of a team, we have yeah. many different shades of hybrid. Yes. Like I work in the office two to three days a week. I work remote yeah. two to three days a week. And some of the people I work with, I see mm-hmm. only when we bring the whole company together. Yeah. And some of them even work in Cincinnati, where I live, right? Then, right. And I don't ever see them because they come to the office zero days a week. Yeah. And that's their choice. And then some people, they work from their home in California or Portland right. or, you know, all over the, all over That's the right. country. So that is really interesting, even just in our somewhat small use case. Mm-hmm. Hybrid looks so different for pretty much everyone in our Absolutely. company. Absolutely. And I think with, given all that variability, 
two things organizations can work on. Number one, really focus on fairness okay. of, of all the potential things that an organization could screw up. Yeah. Fairness is a big one. What does fairness look like? So there's actually four different types of fairness are also called justice. Okay. Distributive justice. Which like is? Distributing whatever the good is or whatever the service is or resources. Like, are we okay. getting a fair share? Okay. There's procedural justice. Mm-hmm. And what was the process or methodology in determining who gets what? Mm-hmm. There's informational justice. So being able to see the same and make decisions upon the same information. Mm-hmm. And then interpersonal justice or fairness, which mm-hmm. is the way that you treat each other and they matter respect. All four of those categories matter. Mm-hmm. And all of those can ensure that people feel confident in the work that they're doing and that the organization is rewarding them appropriately for the work mm-hmm. that they're doing. So when you have people that work in very different places or in very different ways, mm-hmm. it's really hard to make sure you maintain that level of justice and fairness across right? the organization. Yeah. And it takes a lot of trust and respect and communication and all those things. So if there's anything that people should work on, it's, it's fairness. And one example is people are starting to get worried about what's called the in-office advantage, mm-hmm. where those that yeah. they see, yeah. they're going to assume they're working harder and they deserve more opportunities mm. and that they are the ones that should get promotions or things mm. like that. Those remote slackers. Right. <laughs> no, right? We don't know totally what they're kidding. doing. What no. are they doing? No. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it shouldn't be the stereotype um, because there's mm-hmm. a, and I, I've seen examples of both, right? I've seen mm-hmm. people that come to work and they're just chit-chatting all the time and not getting enough done. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people at home who are cranking it out yep. and working much harder than they ever were before. Yeah. So we have to be really careful to kind of mitigate that, mm-hmm. that, that bias and also mm-hmm. institute policies of fairness that, mm-hmm. that give equal opportunities um, to all. The second thing I think organizations should be focusing on and, work, and working on is actually building skill sets about what it takes to meet virtually. Mm-hmm. And there yeah. are best practices that are out there. And mm-hmm. I think each organization develops its own culture around what they expect yep. and how they do it. But I've even seen within the Cloverleaf team and other places that I've worked that there is this sense of this is how we do it. Yeah. And in Cloverleaf, it's great. I mean, because this is kind of what we study and what we do. And yeah. everybody has this sense of, okay, we're going to learn best practices from each other. But there's a lot of organizations that don't do it enough and don't have, pay enough attention to the best mm. practices that make sense for the type of work that they do. And so coming up with those common guidelines, I think people have kind of ignored. Up what, until are, now. what are examples of how to do virtual well? Yeah, I think um, number one, when you're working virtually, there is a tendency for certain types of people to not be as comfortable interrupting, speaking up, raising totally. hands, et cetera. Yeah. And it actually is completely uncorrelated with introversion, extroversion. Great. So, and that's good. If you're in the face-to-face work environment, introversion, extroversion is the number one predictor of whether or not someone's going to speak up in a, a setting and express voice about mm-hmm. what's going on and what's not. In virtual settings, that is not a, it is not existing. It's a different type of set of personality characteristics. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really proactive in either setting up processes that say, here's how we're going to make sure everybody gets a chance to mm-hmm. contribute and to talk, or being that individual that nudges the individuals yep. to say, I know you've probably got something to say here. Mm-hmm. This is your domain. You know, mm-hmm. do you, you know, I want to give you space to consider and mm-hmm. talk and all those types of things. Um, so I do think those are all relevant things that we should be paying attention to. Yeah. Everyone can be that person who says, hey, you haven't said anything. What are you thinking over there? Yeah. Like, I know you probably have thoughts on this and right. I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking. So yeah, I, I think that's really important. Um, I, I think also 
the, having video on is just so important to virtual. And yeah. I don't think it should always be mandated. Sometimes I like, you know, if, mm-hmm. like we do these really large Zoom meetings. You don't need to have your video on if yeah. it's like information gathering. But if it's mm-hmm. like actual meeting mm-hmm. and like you're discussing and you're trying to make figure things out. Yeah. And the norm is to always have your video off and nobody in your company knows what you actually look like. Yeah. You're missing out on something. Yeah, yeah. I do agree that there's there's pros and cons. And I think that um, the the downside of keeping video off is that you're actually reducing the what's called the richness of communication. Ooh, right? so is that a, is that a like thing, re- research yeah, term? Yeah, it's a virtual team <laughs> study phenomenon, right? So... When you're working face-to-face, that yeah. is the highest richness of communication. Yes. You're picking up on nonverbals, intonation, body yeah. language, all that stuff. Yeah. On the other end of the extreme is direct messages, right? Yeah. There's just very little that you can get across unless uh-huh. you've got you know creative use of emojis to really figure out what do they intend yeah. when they're saying this. Mm-hmm. And so the difference between camera off and camera on is voice only versus being able to see mm-hmm. how people are reacting and are they paying attention and mm-hmm. things like that. So... Yeah, you mitigate the richness of communication when you have camera off. Mm-hmm. The reasons why it might make sense in some circumstances to to allow or to have a culture of letting people have camera off, number one, Zoom fatigue is real, it's right? So real. It definitely is something that can be what's called emotionally exhausting. It mm-hmm. feels draining. It's harder to focus and concentrate for long periods of time, and people just kind of feel like zombies mm-hmm. after being, you know, being forced to look at themselves mm-hmm. or to worry about how they appear on yeah. the screen. Yeah. So that's real. Yeah. The other one, and this has been interesting as of late, is that some people feel um, less comfortable or less confident being able to show what their background is or show Totes. how they look. Yeah. Um, you know, if they're like trying to multitask and they dropped off their kids and they haven't taken a shower and they feel, yeah. you know, they don't feel presentable. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those are valid reasons. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a pro and a con. You're really missing a lot if you're mm-hmm. not showing up and being present. And I think, you know, as a professor, I definitely <laughs> don't like when I can't see anything. All I can see is black boxes. It's like, I have no idea if anybody's listening right now. Are these students right even paying attention? Yeah. And that's, and I think people need to realize that that's what you your presenter is thinking yeah. when you don't do it. So you there's really no visual need to be, cues. They don't yeah. know if they're talking about the right thing right. or like yeah. There's no engagement there. And, and just go in eyes wide open, knowing mm-hmm. that you know you have that choice. But at the same time, it could be perceived in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I actually really love in large meetings to have my camera off and to do something like wash my dishes if I'm working from home because it actually helps me pay attention. Like it's like <laughs> doing something true. with my hands, not looking at a screen yeah. for a little bit. Like mm-hmm. it's really nice when you've been working virtually all day. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I have, you know, everybody has their opinion <laughs> and their preferences. And that's one of the interesting things yeah. about virtual work is everyone has their individual preferences and the the pandemic just kind of mm-hmm. like pushed us all into, well, you're allowed to have choices and preferences now, which is kind of nice. And then also, like, as leadership, can be challenging to figure out how to manage. Absolutely. Yeah. With more choices comes more responsibility. It always does. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to put a bow on with virtual teams? Yeah. Virtual teaming is um, part art, part science. I would encourage anybody that is feeling as if it's still new and it doesn't feel like it's quite congealed yet, like this is the way we do things around here, to not be afraid to have conversations. Yeah. Use retrospectives to not just talk about the X's and the O's of the strategy of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Talk about how you're teaming. Yeah. Have a conversation about it. Why are your preferences for doing this versus this? 
what are your assumptions about why this works versus that doesn't work? Mm -hmm. It's just as important as everything that we're doing in terms of the decisions and executions that we have for for our day-to-day tasks. Mm -hmm. Talk about the teaming side of business. Yeah. Yeah, how are we doing here? How are we doing? I think that's really important. And I think that's also really important for managers to realize that it's different for your different people. Mm-hmm. Like I have some folks who yeah. I will always do my one-on-one in person if they're you know in town. And other folks where it just doesn't really matter, even if we're in town or not, right? And there's just difference of preferences that people have mm-hmm. and different things that they think are going well or not going well. Some people who need more context, some people who feel equipped with less context, you know, like, and, and that changes with mm-hmm. hybrid versus you were in person and everybody knew everything all the time right um so yeah i think that that's uh an important thing for leaders to understand is that like check in on how are we teaming Mm -hmm. and also expect it's not the same perspective from everybody don't make assumptions that it's going to be the way you think it should be done yeah Yeah. or how one person feels is how everyone feels one other thing that we have in the playbook on this is the importance of actually being able to be in person if and when you can in virtual teams. Mm -hmm. So what the way that we do that here at Cloverleaf is we bring everybody together once a quarter, which is coming up in two weeks from yesterday. I'm so excited. It's always so fun. But um, that's something that we've chosen to invest in. Mm -hmm. But that looks different for different companies and for different teams. But it's definitely something that we've felt and we've learned and we've watched other companies learn as well. If you can bring people together once a quarter is ideal. And that doesn't mean the whole company. I've seen Mm -hmm. companies where like just certain teams will gather in whatever common city is between them all and spend, you know, a few days strategizing together or, you know, different versions of that. But also really important is that you just leave some time for fun in there too for people. Because as you noted, Mm -hmm. the better your personal relationship, the better your professional yes. relationship and efficiency. Absolutely. Yeah, a few different few different call outs on on this. Number one, it's always a cost benefit analysis. Yep. Every organization is different. It is expensive yep. to bring people together and depending on how far away and how often, yep. all that is real. Mm-hmm. But also recognize that if you don't do it, you are potentially missing out on what might end up being some of the most important parts of your teaming interaction. Mm -hmm. So one way to think about it in terms of a continuum is on the one end of the the continuum is this recognition that there's just very simple updates and and day-to-day conversational things that help keep each other in the loop, right? Mm -hmm. Those are, you know, the easy Slack messages or the easy emails that you Mm -hmm. can get across. And and virtual is great for that stuff. Mm But the farther and farther you move along to the other extreme where you're working on things that are complicated, mm-hmm. ambiguous, mm-hmm. there's multiple perspectives involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, being innovative. Back to being innovative, right? It's a conversation mm-hmm. where the goal is about creating and innovating. Mm-hmm. Those types of conversations, research is pretty clear, you're going to have a higher likelihood of doing it well face-to-face as yeah. compared to virtual. Yeah. So to, to set aside time to do it, face-to-face is great, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times organizations that are saying, hey, we're going to bring everybody back into the office, and there's some big organizations that, you know, are doing this yeah. recently. Yeah. And on the one hand, they're right, but on the other hand, they're also forgetting that that doesn't, that's not 100% of the work yep. time, right? Yep. That can be a designated time. Yep. The challenge is that everyone has to be prepared mm-hmm. to do it during that designated time. You mm-hmm. have to synchronize all of the people that you're working with to say, hey, 
go in with a plan, go in yep. with an agenda. Yep. The leadership has thought about what you want to accomplish. Yep. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what you need to think about. Do pre-work, and then we're going to knock it out. Oh, totally. That's the most effective way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Intentional time together. Yes. Is, is a catalyst to successful virtual yes. and hybrid. Yeah. And yep. one other fun caveat, when you... If you fail to let people come together and build a personal relationship, you might be missing out on one of the most important and strongest predictors of turnover, whether or not you have a best friend at work. Oh, yeah. Isn't that fun? So if you have at least one person mm -hmm. that you really feel like is mm -hmm. not just a coworker, but a friend, like yeah. a good friend, mm -hmm. it significantly can reduce your turnover. When you're, where else are you going to find that? Oh. I actually heard some neuroscience research recently that I'm not going to quote perfectly because mm -hmm. I heard it in passing, but it was something like if you're doing some task of like walking up a hill or some difficult, like yeah. kind of difficult task, mm -hmm. if you do it holding the hand of somebody that you are emotionally huh. very close with, yeah. it produces a totally different neurological oh, reaction cool. yeah. where you actually are much more likely to like it it is it takes less effort to do the same physical That's hard task yeah. so what does that mean for our intellectual hard tasks if sure. you've got if you've got a friend with you so Absolutely. maybe they weren't holding hands maybe they were just together i can't remember but mm -hmm. it was like something about that close relationship that actually yeah. changes right literally what's happening in your Inside, brain yeah, at a neurological level yes. not just psychological That's yeah cool. which was the best case i ever mm. heard for why in gallup's 12 questions that mm. they ask around workplace engagement they have that one on do you have a best friend yeah, at yeah, work like why is that so important because yeah. it literally changes how hard the work feels yeah how yeah. crazy is that that's pretty amazing it's amazing yeah and you're less likely to leave a great friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so attrition for, for, that's for right. leadership, it matters. Right. Or at least think twice. Right? Yeah. All right. I'm going to move us on to the next chapter. Okay. Virtual. Man, I feel like we could talk about it for hours. It's yeah. such a hot topic today. The next, oh, second to last chapter in the Boston Coach Playbook yeah. is leading during change and uncertainty. Yeah. It's a tough it's a, one. It's a tough one. Mm-hmm. As a leader, that feels very exhausting as a <laughs> title. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. so important. It's so important. Yeah. So talk to us. What comes to your mind from the research about leading through mm -hmm. change and uncertainty? Three things. Number one is the philosophy behind why it's important to be change ready. Mm. And the mindset that it takes to succeed in an environment that is potentially going to have change. So think mm -hmm. of it this way. If your company is making money, it's profitable. Mm -hmm. By definition, that means that there's the opportunity for competitors to come yeah. in and try and take away some of that profitability. Yeah. And, you know, patents don't last forever and all those, you know, barriers to entry certainly are there, but they're mm -hmm. not forever and they're mm -hmm. not perfect. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, if you're making money, people are going to try and chip away at that yeah. and take some of that profit oh, for yeah. themselves. Therefore, if you continue to do what you're doing forever... You will, you will run out of it. You will, mm -hmm. you will die as a company. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the mindset should not be, hey, we're just trying to survive. It's we have to innovate. We have to change or we're not going to be, mm -hmm. we're going to be unemployed. Mm -hmm. So number one, it's a mindset shift that, mm -hmm. you know, it's not about preventing disaster. Mm -hmm. It's about making sure that, you know, we're thriving for the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's an important switch. Number two is what is the best approach to leadership Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be in a crisis mm -hmm. or there's big change that's happening, mm -hmm. what is that? What is the best way to approach it mm -hmm. from a, like a behavioral perspective? 
Mm-hmm. And the best theory that I think aligns with whatever the crisis is, and you can even call it the, the VUCA model, right? Volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. That's what's commonly used, VUCA. 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 <laughs> right? In any type of VUCA environment, right? And for example, the COVID situation, right, made lots of changes, and you could mm-hmm. argue that that was a VUCA environment, right? It was a big one. And so what is the best way to lead in that environment? Mm -hmm. Paradoxical leadership, I think, really fits the bill well. Mm. Paradoxical leadership is this recognition that in many cases, you have to hold two competing demands at the same time Mm -hmm. and also recognizing that they're independent, excuse me, interdependent of each other. Mm -hmm. And then at different circumstances, whether it's across different times or at different conversations or different strategies, you have to be able to do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. We have to create structure, but we have to be empowering. Mm -hmm. We have to adjust, but we have to create stability. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, come up with your dimension of of, of antonyms. Mm-hmm. Leaders have to be able to do both and do both well. Mm-hmm. And and that is what crisis really takes, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to create stability, but you also have to adjust at any one moment in time because mm-hmm. you don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I think most leaders feel more confident picking a direction. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it forever, and this mm-hmm. is why. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gets this sense of clarity and mm-hmm. focus that we've kind of been pushed towards mm-hmm. in typical non-crisis environments mm-hmm. but actually that can be dangerous mm-hmm. in a crisis you want somebody that's adaptable to both or in a startup <laughs> yeah. where we're constantly, constantly growing and moving yeah. in uncertain ways i actually um i think it was about a year ago we were probably getting ready for an all team and i was feeling a lot of pressure around i want to create clarity of vision but mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure how we're going to accomplish it and i was talking yeah. to another entrepreneur friend and he just said, Kirsten, there's a difference between vision and certainty. Yeah. And your people need vision so that they can go create the certain way of getting there, you yeah. know? And I was like, wow, that was a really helpful yeah. distinction. It's a great paradox reconciled right there. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I feel pressure as a leader of saying like, hey, we need to hit this ambig- ambitious mm-hmm. goal. Yeah. I feel pressure to say, and here's exactly the way you can get there. Sure. And some people would hate that. Some people would be like, no, let me go figure it out. And yeah. other people will say, how could you set that really big goal without a little bit more help on how to get right. there, right? Sure. And you, like different people have different needs from a manager, from a leader, and different mm-hmm. people are comfortable or less comfortable with yeah. that risk and that ambiguity and that yeah. that that leap of faith, totally. if you will, on, on trying to go through a big change or yeah. or even like just accomplish a big new thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's not comfortable. <laughs> you have to get comfortable with that discomfort. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's to me more exciting than not having it, but yeah. leading through it is right. difficult because different yeah. people have such different needs. Yeah, and I think after COVID in particular, when, when the chaos really kicked in, the instinct was for some leaders to say, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. They wanted to feel strong right. and bold. Yeah. And, and bring stability. And, br- and bring stability. Yeah. And, and, there, and you can do that without committing to saying, this is what the future is going to look like yeah. you know, in, yeah. in six months. Because yeah. you really don't know. Yeah, we had no clue. COVID yeah. is a crazy example of that. Yeah. yeah. You do it instead by illustrating, 
here's what we're thinking about. Here's who we're working with. Here's all the the decision points and the timelines in which yep. we're going to go certain directions. That can build confidence just as much, if not more so, than saying that's where we're going to go. Yeah, I think that's really helpful for managers to think about because a lot of times change is given to managers mm-hmm. of like, hey, it's time for this change to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're message to their people is all right Mm -hmm. we're changing and they're like why and they're like i don't know (laughs) i was just told we have to to or like i don't want to either like that's actually not helpful to your people even if Mm -hmm. you aren't totally bought in on it being able to have some of those data points of like well here's where how the decision was made here's what matters here's what we're going for here's why this change is happening Mm -hmm. that can just be really helpful to your people even though you can't provide full stability on here's exactly what will happen next and next and next because there is still this ambiguity just being able to provide some sort of reasoning. Yeah, it's helpful. It's very helpful. And, and it also recognizes the reality of the other party who's going to be reacting to you as the leader or manager saying, mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to change. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes change. Yeah. It's not fun because yeah. it increases the risk to us as employees or the, the, the subordinate mm-hmm. because we don't know how it's going to end up for us. Mm-hmm. We have to maybe learn something new. Mm-hmm. We might screw it up. Mm-hmm. We don't know how performance is going to be evaluated mm-hmm. in this new scenario. We don't know if this is going to potentially impact my team or my company's mm-hmm. support structure for mm-hmm. what I'm trying to accomplish. All that's scary. Mm-hmm. So the manager or leader, it, I think sometimes it's like, no, I said to do this, please go do it, mm-hmm. without recognizing that you know, change is hard for people. Mm-hmm. And to almost expect that there'll be resistance up front. Yeah. And there's this model that essentially says, you know, like the first reaction typically is denial. No, we don't need to do this. Yeah. And then eventually they're like, oh, maybe we do need to do this. Yeah. And it's, but it's still reluctance. Yeah. And it's, I don't really want to do this, but I kind of have to. Yeah. Eventually they experiment and mm-hmm. then eventually it's commitment. So mm-hmm. it does take this process and realizing you can't just flip the switch mm-hmm. and say, okay, everybody get on board. Mm-hmm. It takes work. It does take work. Yeah. And I really like your call out of paradoxical leadership because... It, it it usually is having to hold two juxtaposed, yep. seemingly conflicting mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like certainty, uncertainty, and clarity, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure exactly how this is going to go, but here's the clarity I can provide for you. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, or like, okay, we're changing and it's got to happen really, really fast, but we also need to be right <laughs> and not make mistakes <laughs> right. in this new thing. So... Which is it? Yeah, well, you know. can't do both perfectly, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. there's those those like challenging things you have to hold for your people. Yeah, and you have to lead them through. I agree. Yeah, and there's great change models out there, right? Like there's good approaches to instituting change. Mm-hmm. There are best practices, mm-hmm. and I think most leaders are they set that aside and assume that that's something that only happens when you're doing some big change, like a total reorg Mm -hmm. or a spinoff of an organization. So Mm -hmm. they reserve these strategies for the big events, but they're not actually using them during the Mm day-to-day events where people need to pivot in different directions all the time. Okay, what's a strategy? Tell us one. I mean, there's simple ones like Cotter's Eight Steps to Change. Oh, you know, it's, tell us about Cotter's Eight Steps don't, to Change. I don't know the details of the change, but, <laughs> but I would it's say there. Google it's there. It. I mean, I think in general, all these change philosophies that people have kind of taken the research and like put it into different steps. The overarching theme is that they recognize that it's kind of like um, the metaphor is like it's like an ice cube, mm. right? So it's currently 
in a in a stable state. It is a solid right now. Mm-hmm. And you got to kind of like melt it down a little bit mm-hmm. and and explain why it needs to happen, illustrate the impact, experiment and prove that mm-hmm. this, you know, proof of concept it makes mm-hmm. sense to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to get champions on board, mm-hmm. you consult with your people. Yep. All those types of yep. tactics are kind of the melting process, yep. right? And then once you actually have gotten that momentum and it's melted, then you have to be really clear on execution, making yep. sure it works, institute it. That's kind of the 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 refreezing process. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once it's there, you got to keep it nice and cold to keep <laughs> yeah. it in this new solid state. Yeah. And this is where most people screw up. Yeah, they they work really hard and get it to that final state. Mm-hmm. But then it just melts back into what it was before. They don't maintain it because they don't it. maintain it. Yeah. Right? People are creatures of habit, mm-hmm. and behavior change is hard. And so yeah. you have to set up whether it's policies, organizational structure, reward systems, mm-hmm. new culture, new leadership, whatever it mm-hmm. is, to maintain that new state that you've created, or they're just going to slide back to where they were. I mean, hitting back on virtual teaming and coming together in person. This is actually one of this is actually the founding reason of why we do quarterly all team meetings Mm -hmm. is because even when our company was eight people, Darren and I realized after about four months, people start drifting. (laughs) They're like, so what exactly are we doing again? And why are we doing it? And Mm -hmm. I have this idea of how we can go into recruiting, or Mm -hmm. I have this idea about how we can go into, you know, something totally like related, but not exactly on target. Well-intentioned. Totally well-intentioned. People are passionate. They're excited. They want to do something amazing together, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and we realize once a quarter, we just have to come together and remind people of our strategy. Right. And, um, and it's constantly evolving because yeah. we're, con- we're a startup. We're constantly melting and refreezing, like learning and growing and evolving to the next level. Mm-hmm. Constant state of change. Yeah. And now Darren and I are always really happy if after an all-team meeting, people are like, that felt a little bit redundant. And we're like, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> it is well yeah. frozen. Right. Yeah. We're going to hit those values. <laughs> Every single time. Every time time we're going to talk about our values. Every time we're going to talk about our our vision, you know? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Makes sense. All right. Last one, Scott. This is the grand finale of our Boss to Coach playbook. Yeah. Managing high-performing teams. Sure. The pinnacle of it all. The purpose of it all. We all want to be on a high-performing team. Mm -hmm. What are the secrets the for, secrets for for being a manager that creates a high performance team. Yeah, there are a handful. There's more than a handful. There's a handful that I think can be actionable that we'll talk about today. Mm-hmm. And think of it as um, input, process, output. Mm. Okay, so it's a model where you think of the team and the formation of the team as being the inputs, Mm -hmm. right? You can find different people with different strengths, different abilities, different backgrounds, different ways of thinking, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be, right? That, Mm -hmm. that mix, that group of people is the input from that input comes some type of team process. And that team process might be things like the extent to which there's great information sharing, knowledge Mm. sharing, constructive controversy, which Mm -hmm. is really healthy for new ideas. The constructive controversy, yes. Which is akin to psychological safety as well. People talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Communication and collaboration and all those Mm -hmm. processes, these Mm -hmm. emergent processes amongst all the people that are on that team, that then leads to some type of outcome of interest. And so the key, though, is, is first thinking about what is the outcome of interest? 
right? So the input process output. Well, if you're not really thinking clearly about the end result, keep the end in mind first, mm -hmm. then you really can't do a good job of deciding what am I going to do on the inputs? Mm -hmm. So what is it? Is it team innovation? Is mm -hmm. it team efficiency? Mm -hmm. Is it just flat out team performance? If it is, what exactly does that mean? Does that mm -hmm. mean adaptive or proactive or proficiency? Mm -hmm. So defining first, where do we want this team to be? Mm -hmm. You can't be high performing if you haven't decided what performance is. Uh -huh. And I think a lot of managers and leaders in particular fail to take that first step mm -hmm. because they just assume that Oh, well, performance is obvious, right? Just it's do a good it's job. in my head. Do a yeah. good job. No, yeah. it's not so clear. There's all yeah. sorts of different types of performance, all sorts of different outputs mm -hmm. that you could create from your team. Mm -hmm. Really get clear about that first. Mm -hmm. Then circle back, step two, and think about what do I want my team inputs to be? Mm -hmm. What type of people? Do I really need cognitive diversity? What am I missing? How do I get these people to work better together? Yes. How do I create mm -hmm. this this group that really interacts with each other in a way that's a team, mm -hmm. right? They're actually interdependent. They have collective goals. They kind mm -hmm. of see the same vision. Mm -hmm. And that's the next step. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole then stream of things that they can do related to the input part mm -hmm. that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. For example, Cloverleaf, right? We're helping people understand mm -hmm. the inputs and how people can actually work better together to yep. then lead to those good processes. Yeah. So... From there, it's a matter of step three. Okay, what are the processes that are unfolding? Mm -hmm. Managing and monitoring those processes and, mm -hmm. and really illustrating whether you're accomplishing what you want to accomplish in terms of those mechanisms. Mm -hmm. right? So if, if psychological safety, you know that's something that's going to be really important to getting to where you want to be for that outcome mm -hmm. of interest or that, mm -hmm. that dependent variable, well, then monitor it. Mm -hmm. right? Get people's input on mm -hmm. how's it going and how could it be different and are mm -hmm. we really hitting on it? Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, people just kind of overlook yeah. those processes yeah. and they go straight to the outcomes. Yeah. And then they don't really know how to fix the problem because they haven't looked at the process. I have so many personal stories that are coming to mind. Good. I'm like, this just makes so much sense because yeah. like, I'm thinking of anybody on a team period, whether you're the manager or not of the team, mm -hmm. you'll just be like, man, this team is just like, <clears throat> I wish it was more like process oriented. I wish it was better at following yeah. through on things. I wish it was better mm -hmm. at like, so, you know, uh, having some, what do you call it? Like constructive controversy, yeah. like where we can totally. like wrestle with ideas better. But it seems mm -hmm. like every time I bring something up, so-and-so gets offended and we just shuts down the conversation. We can't have this conversation, you know? And it's yeah. like really what you're, what you're picking up on when you're feeling disappointed in your current team is that mm -hmm. you haven't aligned on that output yet. Yeah. Like, are you trying to sure. be a team that is better at wrestling through ideas together mm -hmm. to come yeah. up with better things or are you just trying to like maintain the status quo because you're the sausage making part of the company like sometimes that's needed too you know so it's like yeah. what's the goal what mm -hmm. we all align on right mm -hmm. and um i i think of like the conversations i had with our head of engineering when it was like man we want people we want our engineers to come with more pushback on the requirements that product is writing we want them to actually say yeah. like hey, I don't think that's possible. Or, hey, I think there's a faster way of doing that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like we wanted to create yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And so that in, it, that changed how we hired. That changed mm -hmm. like, you know, what we, what we looked for in people and how we tried to set up the meetings and all yeah. that kind of stuff, right? The inputs, yeah. right? Totally. And then even recently, you know, Darren and I had this conversation with the leadership team where we were getting ready to plan next year's OKRs, which is our goal and like, you know, 
vision setting system, right? Yeah. And um, we were like, hey, we, we need you guys to be more involved this year. And you could just kind of tell around the room, people were like, I'm not exactly sure what you want me to do here. <laughs> right. And so um, I talked to Sue Baggett, who's on our board, has just been such a champion investor in Cloverly from the beginning. And she said, have you, have you actually distinctly told them what behaviors you want to see from your leadership team? And yeah. I was like, Actually, no. no. <laughs> like yeah. you, you just kind of assume that that would yeah. just happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we did this day long planning where we got everyone together in person, and we I started it with like an hour and a half of like we want to see more tension on this team. We want to see more wrestling over ideas. Here's mm-hmm. what that looks like. I walked through a framework. We like talked about like yeah, here's good. how we're gonna show up today. You yeah. know. And that was so helpful. Absolutely. And it's it's funny because I think we all think we we get these feelings of like, oh, something on this team is not what I want it to be. Yeah. People aren't showing up how I think they should. Or I'm mm-hmm. trying to bring something that I don't think other people are receiving. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody's interested in this. I think we need to do X, Y, Z and nobody else wants to, right? Yeah. And what's really happening there is what you said. You're not defining the output you're not all aligned on what the output is. So then, of course, the processes aren't going right because, of course, you haven't tried to get the inputs right. That's right. So, anyways, that brought up so many ideas. That's a great example. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. I think, yeah, the output was clear, right? This is We need innovation or we need creativity. We need to work towards excellence Mm -hmm. to do that. We need to be more focused on constructive controversy mm-hmm. and then you got to work backwards in order to have constructive controversy we need you to contribute in a certain way right? mm-hmm. it's like working backwards mm-hmm. from keeping that end goal in mind it's perfect mm-hmm. yeah it's um i think that that's a great start right for creating those high performing teams mm-hmm. thinking about those three steps um is one way to do it there's also this recognition of you know some of the systems that surround the teams and the processes that surround the teams. Those those might also be important, mm-hmm. and those have to be aligned as well. I think recognizing that teams are embedded within organizations, and also thinking about the fact that individuals are embedded within those teams. Mm-hmm. So teams is kind of in this awkward middle mm-hmm. middle ground. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar to being a middle manager. Being a middle manager is really hard, really hard because especially because people think you don't need to exist sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of controversy that about too, that. Too right. Not only is your job hard, people think you don't need to be there. I mean, that's not that's not a good recipe. No. So yeah, the middle managers. I mean, they have to take what you know the those that are higher than them in the hierarchy want from a strategic level mm-hmm. and translate that and then be the ones that also have to communicate it to the front line mm-hmm. and help them understand why it's happening and they have to monitor it and everything mm-hmm. else so they're really kind of being pulled in both directions mm-hmm. they want both parties to be happy similarly teams have that issue mm-hmm. they're kind of a middle ground between organizational level strategy mm-hmm. and their individual needs mm-hmm. and so there has to be alignment between all three of those mm-hmm. or you're going to get a lot of conflict and confusion mm-hmm. so in an ideal setting the managers or the leaders are working together to say okay this is not just the team's direction but the organization's direction right so cloverleaf uses okrs mm-hmm. and that is perfect for us mm-hmm. And once those are established at the organization level, then it can filter down to, okay, what are we going to do at the team level? Mm -hmm. And then what are you going to do at the individual level to contribute to that team Mm -hmm. level? And is there any conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Where is your... We only have so much time and so many resources to offer. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that, you know, all of these have to work together. 
or if you don't, it's just going to be a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough place to be in. It's a tough place to be. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, what's the hope we can offer here, Scott? How right. do managers navigate through this to yeah. create their high-performing teams? Yeah. I uh, Well, they could use Cloverleaf for one, <laughs> of course. Uh, I think that's part of it, though, is like really being in tune with the players yeah. and what do they need, mm-hmm. how do they work best, having a way to help people work on self-awareness, other awareness. Because mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, what I'm realizing is – I've talked to a lot of different users. I've talked to a lot of different managers and L&D professionals and HR directors. It's not that they're they're trying to fix, you know, one person. It's not that they're trying to fix a low-performing team. What they're really shooting for is they really want to change the way that people work together in terms of, like, the overall culture. Yeah. Right? Like, we want this mm-hmm. sense of respect for the uniqueness of each person. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to... Um, highlight those differences, celebrate those differences. We want people to have a certain attitude or mindset about how they're going to interact and work with other people. Mm-hmm. And and they need, a, they need a regular reminder of that. They need a regular nudge for that. They need a language for that, a framework for that. Mm-hmm. Because without it, you know, you're just kind of like picking off one piece of the puzzle at a time. Mm-hmm. But if you can really kind of focus on, you know, what, what we're doing here is building a culture of how we're going to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. That is the goal. And mm-hmm. how you get there, there's a variety of different ways to do it. Yeah. But that should be the mantra going Especially forward. if you throw back in hybrid and virtual. Yeah. A number of different ways to get there. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I think it is just so important to be able to call that call that out. What are what are we working on here? What are we trying yeah. to get to? Not like the work to accomplish, but like how we want to accomplish it mm-hmm. and being able to have those conversations, which again goes right. back to virtual. You said that yeah. <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. Of right. Actually have a conversation with your virtual team of how are we teaming? Yeah. How's yeah. this working? How's yep. this going? Absolutely. And and building it in too, I think is a big part of the, the problem. So I've worked with a lot of L&D focused departments, right? And they and they all want to look at individual attributes mm-hmm. of the leader, of the individual, mm-hmm. right? They want to help them grow, they want to help them develop. Mm-hmm. And most of these attributes or competencies or skills, they're very focused on the individual. Uh-huh. So that's going to basically focus on each person kind of doing their own thing mm-hmm. and doing what works best for them. Mm-hmm. There should also be this push towards leadership and development that is how are you interacting with others? Yeah, how do you team well? How do you team well? And mm-hmm. and you see it like thrown in, right? Like mm-hmm. out of a list of 10 things we want our leaders to be, oh, by the way, we've got empathy and perspective taking in there. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like a throw in where mm-hmm. you could have literally an entire list of this is the way we want our leaders to be, to be mm-hmm. more interpersonal, to be more mm-hmm. of a dyadic interpersonal exchange, right? Like mm-hmm. how do you actually interrelate with another person? Those are also key attributes, mm-hmm. right? Work is not done... In a vacuum, it always mm-hmm. happens when it's some type of social context. I mean, that's like our whole business model, really. Here at Cloverleaf, is like assessments were done like for individuals. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. take a disc, a sixteen types, any of these yeah. assessments, and you get your results. Individual and it's results. very insightful, and it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And your biggest barrier to being your best version of yourself is the fact that other people are different than you. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go to do that thing, that great epiphany you got from your individual mm-hmm. assessment, and it turns out it doesn't land perfectly with your team because yeah. people don't realize how you're wired because they're so different. Right. And how do you just create 
um, instead of this focus on the individual, a, a, a focus on everyone learning together about mm-hmm. each other so that we can be our best selves yeah. while we're unleashing other people to be their best selves at the same time. Yep. So we can all do our best work together. That's right. It's tricky. <laughs> people are complicated, it people turns out. <laughs> people are complicated, but it's worth focusing on. All right. Any quick tips for managers on how to take a team and make it a high performing team, whether it's a new team, existing team, what, what, what helps a manager bring that oomph? Right. Step number one, focus on what exactly do you want to accomplish at the team level? Think Mm -hmm. about the outcomes first. That's tip number one. Yeah. Tip number two, when helping employees, think not of performance management and instead more of performance development. Mm. I think that is a key change in mindset that mm-hmm. is going to be helpful mm-hmm. for building the culture of teaming that, that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. And the difference is understanding that you know we're more than X's and O's and whether we hit benchmarks and quotas, Mm -hmm. recognizing that there's always a story behind Mm -hmm. everything and that instead, you know, that part, that's important. That is part of processes and Mm -hmm. you have to have all those things, Mm -hmm. you know, buttoned up, but really focusing on like, what does this person want? What do they need? Mm -hmm. How can I help them? How can Mm -hmm. I support them? Mm -hmm. And also, you know, the whole playbook's called Boss to Coach. And I do think that if you can move from the management to the development, that is very much a from boss to coach type thinking, right? You're asking the questions about what do you need? I'm not just giving you the ideas of what I think you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that conversation changes. The tone changes. The types of interaction changes. Mm-hmm. You know, the coach is trying to get at what is really going on under the hood. I'm asking mm-hmm. the key questions to pull that out of you and mm-hmm. be a good sounding board and support system mm-hmm. as opposed to someone that's just trying to make sure that you check do all the, the boxes right thing. and do all these. How I want yeah. you to, when I want you to. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are those are probably the big takeaways. Yeah. And if you need help as a manager learning how to effectively understand your individual people and support them to be their best selves, it's one of the main purposes of this whole playbook. So go download it if you haven't downloaded it already. It's the Boss to Coach playbook. You can get it at cloverleaf.me. And if you've made it to the end of this podcast and not downloaded it, this is my last chance to say <laughs> it really is helpful. Go download it. It has so many tactical, practical things that help really anybody leading people, even if it's just by your influence. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of customers who are using it internally for training their managers we also just have it's just a free resource out there to anybody scott thank you thank you for being being the star of the show again one year later we'll see you again in a year (laughs) one more year let's see how it goes that's great thank you thank you scott that's all we've got for you this time thank you for tuning in to people are complicated i'm your host kirsten moorfield if you are enjoying this podcast please tell your friends, leave us a review, help more people find it because we believe that we're all human and we all can grow from a better understanding of ourselves and each other at work. So if it's helpful to you, please help other people find the podcast. 
Tune in next time as we dig more into the tensions we all experience at work and how those moments can guide us to actually having better relationships at work and doing more impactful work that we're actually proud of. We believe that every team can love working together, including your team. So go to cloverleaf.me to sign up for a free trial where you can have unlimited teammates, take free personality assessments, and see how those assessments turn into daily coaching nudges in your inbox to transform the way you work. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.